Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain a leadership advantage as Ralph holds wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing a a friend of mine I've known for about a year, uh, Jason Shepard, and his church is called Church Project. That's an unusual name, so I want to start there. Tell us what you mean by that name. Uh, Hey, Ralph, thanks for having me. Good to be with you. Uh, The name Church Project is really an idea more than a church name. It was sort of the essence of what I wanted to be a part of, which is, we say, the pursuit of what Christ originally intended the church to be. So it was an idea. Uh, I tell our church now that they go to a church without a name. Uh, they just go to a church with an idea uh, that just happened to turn into their name. So it's just pursuing what we hope Christ really wanted the church to be. So that's it, Church Project. I like that. I, I just created a website uh, to explain why there's all these Hope Chapels around, but why has nobody ever heard of Hope Chapel? Uh-huh. And it's because it's an idea that we never branded. Uh, cool. And so, you know, we got a bunch of churches that call themselves Hope Chapel, but a whole bunch more didn't. And oddly, well, kind of cool. A lot of the ones that did use the name are the second generations come in now and they're all changing names and they think they're hip and cool. Right. But that's exactly what we did in the <laughs> 1970s. And so, wow. you know, people are going, Oh, they're not loyal and all. I think it's wonderful. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm thrilled to, to hear people who think differently like you do. And so kind of go back and talk story, talk the way that you want about what you're excited about. But you know, what got you into this? Why'd you start a church? You know, Jesus saved me. And at a young age, and I grew up knowing him, and I loved stories about the church. It just seemed to captivate me when I studied scripture. I just, early on, even maybe junior high, for sure high school, the people of God, as God moved through people, just enamored me. And so through college, I really started studying the church. And then I found, of course, this incongruence with the type of world that I had grown up in and the church that I saw in Scripture. I'm hearing the gospel. I'm believing and following Jesus. So I'm thankful for my old church and the context I knew. But I just wanted to be a part of what I read about in the Word. It just made me come alive. And I did think that same spirit is possible today. As I read the scriptures and I saw immediately the early church was completely cross-cultural, people from all over the world, all different languages and customs. The idea that the church is the way it is because of culture, to me, wasn't always the only reason. I felt like we have adopted some strategies and structures and abandoned some things. Maybe we could get back to it. So then I, I spent many years just studying the early church, movements of church around the world, uh, historically and contemporary, and I said, let's just let's see what we can do. You know, I had a similar experience. I I actually came at it a little differently. I thought I was gonna read the Book of Acts. I, I did it like five times a week, five days out of seven. I'd read the whole thing my whole second year in a Bible college because I got mad at the school. <laughs> thought they don't know what they're talking about. 
I'm going to figure out how to build a mega church out of the Bible because Acts 2 is a mega church, right? Yeah, yes. But then as I got through the book of Acts, I found out that wasn't really the plan. In fact, I kind of look at the, the Acts 2 church as, as the rough start. And then what went on from there, and it's church got more relational, a lot smaller, a lot more cultural penetration. Yeah. That started to look like what church is supposed to be. Yeah. So in, in your experience, what, what was missing? What were you looking for that you found in the early church in the book of Acts, but also in the history of the church that you didn't find in the church setting, not necessarily the church you were a part of, but the larger context of church as we do it in the U.S.? By the time I started Church Project, I had worked in seven churches, and none of them had some of the DNA that I found consistent through the early church. And part of that was I saw that the early church was gathering in a cross-generational, very diverse manner, whereas every church I'd been a part of had very homogenous groups. And so really essentially small groups of rich people or poor people or educated or non-educated or same generation or same race or same culture or same level of spiritual maturity. And so as I read Paul instructing all the the pastors, Titus and Timothy, or how he practiced to have people more mature and less mature people together, old and young people together, rich and poor people together, Greeks and Jews together, it just seemed like we weren't creating that kind of context in the church. In addition to this kind of diversity that I saw in Acts, but I didn't see in any church I served in, I saw this super structure that was stifling in the local church that I couldn't find in the early church. And so structurally, I had to say, what were they doing there that allowed for replication and implementation of leadership and gifts and distribution of leadership rather than the centralization of it. So every church where I served had a super central structure, like I'm going to go to the church or the church office or these kind of things. And so people would refer to the church. And I found myself in a fairly antagonistic way saying, well, who are you talking about and where are you going and what does that mean? And so I I saw a few things, mainly structure and uh, how the church gathered together that was really missing from our current church structure. So then as you launched a church, how does it look different than the churches that you're a part of? Well, I wanted to gather in uncontrolled community, meaning I, I think the church did have some structure. I say systems are organic. Our body is made up of many of them. And they function autonomically, but they're unseen, they're natural, they're instinctive. And so we had some systems like how does somebody become a leader? That matters, who they are, how they live. That, of course, mattered to Paul. But so how do we discover who the leaders are and what do they do when they gather together? And how do we oversee them and connect them and get people to them? And how do we support one another? And so we just started with this idea of I gathered in an obscure warehouse. We said at least this, let's try like the early church, no marketing schemes at all. Let's let's start with a few practical tips. We're never going to market. No mailers, no movie theater signs. I'm not saying that's wrong for everybody else, but for me, as I'm a church project pursuing getting back to it, I wanted to abandon anything they didn't have. So how can somebody led by the Spirit have a conversation with somebody else and maybe then invite them into this Christ-centered community without the church depending upon some office of people to be great marketers? So we removed marketing. I just found people to be house church pastors. Like I found a man and another man who I felt I could meet the qualifications. And we had about 40 people who called our church their church. And I said, you're two house churches. And as much as I could tell at the time of what that would mean, look, we're going to disciple our people. We're going to meet each other's needs. 
counseling's going to happen. So benevolence happens here. Counseling happens. You're going to marry people. You're going to bury people. You're going to be their pastor. And I'm going to help you do that. And uh, when this gets too big, you're going to raise up someone else who's going to do the same thing. And so uh, we just started living like that. And so then we also said that we gathered geographically because that takes away any other metric of measurement of how are we getting together. So if people gather geographically, well, then whatever house church they go to is probably going to have older people and younger people and rich people and poor people and immature and mature believers and all that. And I, I get that from the book of Titus, too, as Paul told Titus, the reason I left you in Crete was to appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. There was some leadership, Paul to Titus, Titus to the elders, but it was really, let's have a, a pastor available to every person rather than Titus, you get to everybody or Paul, you get to everybody. Let's, let's have a pastor within reach for every person on the island of Crete. And what he didn't say was you get them to all come to you because that's what we do today. It's, right. it's all come to me. The other thing that he said in that same passage is to do that with kind of looks like he's saying scrape together what still remains. Yeah. Right. And I, I think that we're in that kind of situation right now in America uh, we're losing ground. Church yeah. is shrinking. People are, who have walked with Jesus, or at least walk with the church, are walking away. It's a, it's a call for us to try to scrape together what remains and build on it, but build on it in a way that is more godly. I'm sorry I interrupted you. I want you Not to go on. I, I love what you're doing. I love this conversation. You know, Ralph, I think um, it's hard. I, I I spoke with somebody one day who... Uh, is well known in the in the church world, and I respect his idea on discipleship a lot. And I said, I said, I'm concerned that I have that my convictions are too strong on church. Some people actually take it as arrogance, if you. And he said, we need more clarity when it comes to the church, not less. We've got to get some clarity as to what is church really supposed to be. What are the basics here? So I think I'm trying to be as reductionist as possible. I'm trying to. Um, remove anything that's not necessary and hold on to the things that we see in scripture. It's been a hard journey for me personally, because I've had to step out of every circle that I was educated in and that I was advancing in. And so I stepped out of those circles and had to just sort of start creating my own little circle. So I, I've, I've lost some ground in some ways, if you will, as far as what my plans for my life were. But I actually don't think I would still be in that world. I think I, I was pretty close to giving up on the church myself. Although, since I love Jesus, I know I got to love his church. But I, I didn't know what to keep doing. So for me, it was just... I got to try this at least. And it's worked very well. Uh, I like to tell people I'm, I'm first a pastor to my family. And I love what the church church project has done for my family and for my close friends. My best friends are in our church. So pastors who say their friends shouldn't be in their church, I, I don't understand that anymore. Uh, my community is made up of people in our church. But yeah, it's also worked for thousands of people in the woodlands. And probably 6,000 people or so, we don't have any kind of formal membership, but about 6,000 people or so call Church Project their church, and they're there engaged on a regular basis. And then we have church projects in uh, a lot of other places, too. So what other places? Name some of them. Well, we have around Houston, We um, about 20 minutes north of us, we had a, another town, Conroe Willis, and so we cut off several house churches and started them having their own sort of centrality of elders and leadership and a Sunday space to gather together in some little outlet mall. And then uh, we're doing the same. We're starting a, a cluster of house churches in Kingwood and Katy. These are all places in Houston. But also we had someone plan a church project in Greeley, Colorado, 
we had some uh, some people from the Woodlands move to Colorado, and they helped start uh, church running in Winter Park, Colorado. I was just up there two weeks ago. They've started several house churches, and then we had a, a great group of people start a church project in Orange County, California. In addition to that, we have some legitimate church projects in Haiti and in Malawi and in uh, Saltillo, Mexico. So you're telling me this isn't something that's a Texas phenomenon or a uh a local to Houston phenomenon. This is something that's reproducible and it's, and it is cross-cultural. Yeah. I, Ralph, I think if what we're doing isn't, I do think that is a problem. I think people would say, well, we do it this way culturally. It works here and it doesn't have to work everywhere. But I, I do disagree with that. I do think there are cultural nuances to what we do. Sure. Maybe the style of music we sing or those kind of things. But yeah, I think if we can't, gather the church in the same structure around the world, I think we've missed something. Yeah, I do too. I, I heard a real prominent guy once say, I was called to my generation and I was called to my locality. And that was his justification for saying, I'm never going to plant another church, wow. come to this one. I heard a guy recently criticizing people like you and me and Neil Cole and some of these others uh, because, well, they don't keep records, and so how can I believe anything they say? And this guy went on to brag about all the services, the video campuses that he's managing and how many people go to the video campuses and how many Christmas Eve services they had last year, and he could tell you exactly how many people were in those. And I really think that won't probably matter a whole lot when we get to heaven and we're all hoping to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Right. What I think will count is... Did you do something that somebody else could do? And did you teach them how to do it? Yeah. And that's what you're doing. There, there's something that comes to my mind, though, as, as you talk. You talk about Sunday gatherings. And, and a lot of people are who are cynical toward people like yourself. I, I, I want you to tell us, I think you've already said it to my mind, but I want to make sure people get it. Why this isn't just another bunch of Bible studies. That'd be one thing, because we're planting churches in the business community, and people have a real hard time differentiating, well, how's that different than a Bible study in an office? Well, yeah. as soon as you got a guy that can marry people or baptize them, then people get all uptight about, well, is he really an elder? Or, you know, that they right. get off on that. So I want you to address that a little bit. And then the other thing that I'd like for you to talk to us about is, in, in terms of pragmatism, you guys still have a Sunday meeting, mm-hmm. and yet somehow it's, it's not, that's not church. That's the meeting of the churches. Explain that for somebody who's listening to this, who's going, I'm not sure if I buy into this guy or not. Well, and it's fine if you don't. I'll tell you, I've, I've been a part of practices. I'm not trying to get people to buy into what I'm doing. Good. I'm trying to practice what I think God's called the church to do. At the end of the day, I do think people should buy into this because when I read scripture now, this is all I see. You know, I, I do think, Ralph, that a lot of people who are of the house church mentality seem to have forsaken the beauty of the Sunday gathering. But people who really love Sunday gatherings, that becomes the epicenter of church for them. And everything else is seemingly an afterthought, although nobody would say that, but that's actual practice. And so I do not forsake the beauty of the, of the entire body assembled. And so what is our entire body, I guess, would be the question. And so, and then what do we do when we gather on Sundays? We do have Sunday gatherings. And we, actually, our, our mantra is we are a church of house churches. And so we have, you know, 50 or so house churches right here in the woodlands that would make up one church. And so we get together on Sundays. It's the simplest expression of church I've ever seen or experienced anywhere other than 
really Africa. And it's just a simple singing and studying of Scripture. We even have moments of silence and meditation and corporate reading together. We take communion. It's beautiful. But it is... Um, it's really anticlimactic. There's no silver bullet. A lot of times people will come to us on a Sunday and they'll hear about Church Project and they'll come and they'll say, well, we do Sundays better than that. Well, of course you do. Your band, your music, your lights, your sound, we don't do any of that kind of stuff. And so uh, it's a very anticlimactic experience in that way, but it's a very super spiritual experience. I'm getting in the Word and it's it's uh, sober and somber and spiritual and I love it. Someone pointed out to me that what we're doing mostly is producing events that a church is a relationship and oftentimes a Sunday service is an event. In fact, some people are trying to plant an event. They don't go to plant a church. They go agree. to plant a Sunday service yeah. and then it's a big show. I, I was going to ask you how much did your, your smoke machines cost <laughs> or your colored I, lights. Exactly. You, yeah. what, you, what you're describing sounds a lot to me. I'm pretty old. I lived through the Jesus movement yeah. and that was kind of Get together, somebody got a guitar, we sing and praise the Lord for an hour, and then we get in the Word for an hour, yeah. and then we hang out. Well, I think, you know, I, I think you're right. And so many Sunday, so many churches are about the Sunday show. I mean, there are books that pastors have said that. I mean, I, there's a pastor I used to go to his conferences, and he said, it's about Sunday, stupid. Everybody made everything about Sunday, and they put it into that. And, and thankfully, we have clear records as to indicate what that has produced in America over the last hundred years. They haven't served us well. And so, but we can't, just like theologically in so many arenas, we can't counteract bad theology with not practicing certain things. It's hard for me to read scripture and see that God didn't enjoy all of his people getting together, whether it be in the Old Testament of the gathering of people often for festivals or throughout the New Testament. uh, We see plenty of evidence of it in scripture. But I think we've adulterated that because that's easy. Sunday is really easy. The hard part is getting people to live in this kind of community together. And so churches really don't do that. And and then they centralize community with, uh, let's break off into community for a little bit, for a few minutes. That doesn't really happen. I mean, whether every day they're meeting together in the temple courts and selling their stuff, I had never seen that before Church Project. And now I literally see... I. I don't know all the things that happen. I will hear somebody sold their car and gave it to this person, or they bought this this lady a home, or they paid her down payment, or they uh, all kind of people are giving each other cars and helping with homes and paying off medical bills. It's all happening within a house church context that I never know about, and we don't facilitate. And so I think there's something to this idea of people are asking their questions from a faulty context, like. When people are really criticizing this, I think their their criticism is coming from the church that they've church culture and conscience that they've experienced, which I think that is broken. Most of the questions or concerns that I get when I sit down with the Word, they can't ask that question based off of Scripture. The confusion for people, I think, is that they're trying to compare what you're doing or what I'm doing, what you Ralph are doing, what I'm doing Jason, with what they've been doing, and they they. They can't yeah. reconcile that. Yeah, yeah it, won't, it won't reconcile. But as soon as you get Scripture into the picture, then probably a lot of everything all of us are doing doesn't quite reconcile. Well, you know, I, I like to say when we say we're a project, I like to say we humbly admit 
We have a long way to go, but at least we have a clear target. That doesn't, we're not saying that we, we've humbly in our name adopted the idea that we're an ongoing pursuit of this, but I do know my target and I've tried to clarify that. I think before I was aiming at some wrong targets. Now I have a target that I can justify. I had a pastor come to me really frustrated and angry because people in our town were going to him and saying, talking to him about house church and these things and and generosity, our corporate generosity and all these things that we're doing and the simplicity. And he sat down with me and he was angry. He said, I just don't know why you're calling them pastors and I don't know why you're doing this and that. And I said, very calmly, I said, I understand your frustration. I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to get my Bible out and you get your Bible out and you with your Bible explain to me what you're doing. And I, with my Bible, will explain to you what I'm doing. Why don't you go first? (laughs) <laughs> and he sat there in silence for a moment. He said, I can't do that. I said, okay. I said, um, I can't. And let me show you why I call them pastors. And let me show you why we call it house church. And let me show you why we're doing what we do in house church on Sundays with simplicity, with generosity. Let's talk through this together with the scripture. And what happened? How did he respond? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, Ralph, we're at Exponential today. In Houston, and there's another pastor across the city of Houston that I know and love and respect, and he loves and respects me, and he's 15 years older than I am, and he's pastored a great church in the city by all measures for a long time. And he told me today, he said, Jason, we're hearing about what Church Project's doing, and he said, I'm going to be real honest with you. If I could start over again, I would do what you're doing. And he, he said, he's tired. He's having to maintain this thing. And a lot of good has come from what he's done, but he knows, I think, We've missed a lot, too. Yeah. And I, I think that's the sentiment of a lot of guys when I sit down with them and I do show them, well, number one, this is biblical. Yeah. And number two, it's working. And by the way, I'm not exhausted. I'm not discouraged. All these statistics of these pastors who don't have friends and who want to quit. I don't want to quit. I want to do more and more of this. But the context I was in before this, I didn't want to do it anymore. Burned out, stressed out. Now I couldn't be, I couldn't love church work more than I do now. I'm going to close this thing by asking you something that may get you in a lot of trouble. <laughs> okay. uh, there's there's bound to be some burned out, tired, woebegone people listening to this, and they'd like to know more about what you're doing. So uh, can you at least give us the, the website that would allow them to kind of sneak in and spy on you and then maybe contact you with some questions? Yeah, that'd be great. Well, our website is churchproject.org. We also have a churchprojectnetwork.com. And churchprojectnetwork.com is, uh, is being formed because we very organically and sort of quietly planted churches, but we know we need to step into this a little more intentionally. So there is some information at churchprojectnetwork.com. But to see the church in the woodlands and then get links to all of our other church projects, uh, which, by the way, are not campuses. They're they're autonomous, independent churches. Wonderful to hear. <laughs> uh, there are other people besides me who are gifted to preach and teach and lead and pastor. And so uh, that's churchproject.org. If you're somebody that has come up under me and you're listening to this and you're going, I sure wish Ralph would have done a better job of <laughs> networking us all together. I'm too old to do it, so go to churchproject.org, and you're going to find your way into something that's very good. Thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Well, Ralph, let me thank you, please. I hope you won't edit this out of your podcast. It would be hard for me to do what I do without you doing what you've done for decades. And I thank you for leading the way. 
it's taken me looking at a, just a couple of guys, actually. I, I can learn from very few people who have really plowed tough ground in this realm. And so you've been a pioneer for this. And so thank you for being faithful to it and uh, letting other people in. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful for your leadership, and it's impacted me greatly. Thank you. Thank you. Right. I'll try not to edit that out. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmoore.net.